Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show, all about movies. You're listening to The Jam Price Show, all about movies, and today my guest is my friend, uh, who I love so much. He's known as the czar of noir and the host of Turner Classic Movies, Noir Alley, and we're going to be talking about his revised vi- uh, version of his book, Dark City. Welcome again to the show, Eddie. It's been too long. I've missed seeing you. It has been. It's a, it's a pleasure to see you, Jan. I'm, very, I'm looking forward to our conversation very much. Me too. Me too. So, let's start for... Because some of our guests may not know, how did you uh, become the czar of noir? What was it that? <laughs> what was the the light within that uh, made you pursue this as a career? Actually, uh, I'm going to level with you, Jan. It was kind of an accident. I mean, my my fondness for film noir is certainly no accident. But uh, I never anticipated any of the stuff that has happened when I when I wrote the book Dark City: The Lost World of Film Noir way back when in 1998 it came out um I, I had no expectations for anything other than i just wanted to do a nice book and and then that led to uh being asked to program film festivals uh and and that kind of snowballed and then i created a foundation to uh, rescue and restore the films that i could not get my hands on for the film festivals i was doing i didn't understand why films disappeared now i do um and, and then one thing led to another and uh, eventually, uh, TCM asked me if I would be interested in hosting a show, and uh, all of this led comes full circle. It comes all the way back to my uh, updating and revising the original book. Some I've, I've lost track. What is it? Twenty two or twenty three years yeah, later? Yeah. So yeah. So what made you decide to revise and um, expand on Dark City, which is the Bible for any a film noir enthusiast? By the way, it's, it's- I, I appreciate your saying that. I, <laughs> it, it, well, it's certainly my take on the subject. I don't know if uh, it, it's it's interesting. Some of the interviews I've been doing about the book, I I, I make the point that it's not an encyclopedia. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the the one kind of semi-negative review that I got on Amazon was from somebody who said, "Not all the films are in here." <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, that was. It was not my intention to be an encyclopedia. So um, anyway, the reason I decided to revise it, I'm, I'm happy to admit, is because I learned so much more since I wrote the first edition. Uh, y- you know, I it was never my intention in writing that book to come off like the world's foremost authority on the subject. Certainly not the case in 1999. I just wanted to uh, share my enthusiasm for the films and kind of give my take on it, which I, I hope people find kind of different and creative. Um, but then since then, like I said, I've done these film festivals and all of these other extracurricular things uh, that have exposed me to so much more that it, it just seemed inevitable that I would do another edition. And and honestly, I, I wanted to do it, you know, 10 years ago. I mean, it, it felt to me like, oh, let's do a 10th anniversary edition, mm-hmm. you know, but that mm-hmm. didn't happen. And then the 20th anniversary somehow managed to slip by as well. Um, but it, 
like I say, I just uh, I've discovered so much films that uh, I didn't include in the first edition, stories about the making of the films that I didn't know when I wrote the first edition. So it was a great opportunity, you know. Thanks to the show on TCM, it's mm-hmm. uh, you know I, I have a much bigger audience now, and so right. it was a perfect opportunity to to expand and revise. Timing is everything, right? You know, you thought maybe it should have been done earlier, but this is the time. This is the that's, right time. That's that's absolutely right, Jan. That's something that I uh, I told myself many times, and about things other than just this book. Like right. you know, things happen. You hope things happen when they are supposed to happen. And and honestly, is uh, <laughs> it was also very timely because I was home because of the COVID pandemic, you know. And so it was like, well, this is great. Now I actually have the time to do this revised edition. So uh, it, it really gave me a lot to focus on when I wasn't doing shooting my own show at home, which I had to do for a while for TCM. I was going to uh, ask I, you about that. So you all, did, uh, is that what happened during the pandemic? None of you flew into Atlanta? to record the show? No, 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 no. We were all like in lockdown. So all of us, Ben, Dave, Jacqueline, Alicia, uh, we all had to do our stuff from home. I mean, I turned the the office I'm sitting in right now served as my uh, my noir alley set for quite a number of weeks, and uh, it you know it was learning on the fly, and it, it was fascinating to see how you know we went from being this super high toned production to being kind of a homemade thing, and, and putting that on the air, and and people just went with it because. Everyone was in the same boat. Everybody sort of understood, you know. Hey, Jan, look, before COVID, we couldn't have been doing this, right? Because this whole online form of communication is is pretty much driven by the pandemic. It is, and I think you know. I, I well, I'm I'm Miss Pollyanna, so I think good things are coming out of the the pandemic um, for sure. And this is one of them because I think there's more accessibility now uh, because you don't have to go to a studio to do an interview. You can do it from your home nowadays. And as I said, I just have set up my entire you know recording studio here and no longer have to go to the studio. Um, and I think you know we. And I do want to talk. I want to talk more about the book, but I also want to talk about your film festival. Because more film festivals are doing virtual and in person now. And I think what they found during the pandemic, and I know they did, that they expanded their audience, like Sundance and um, the Bentonville and, you know, TIFF. They're all a hybrid now. And I think going forward, it's always going to be that way, that it's going to be a hybrid film festival. So is that what you did with yours, too? Because I know you have your film festival that you put on every year in San Francisco, but all across the country. Right. Uh, I, I suspect you are right about that. We did do an online version of the festival because uh, that was the one that we have in Washington, D.C. annually. And for various reasons, that was the best one. Just the, the timing was right to do an online version of that festival that was very successful. It, it was the most successful one at that venue ever in terms of the number of people that actually watched movies right. and of course they could they could check in from wherever they were you know they didn't have to be in the, in the auditorium uh but i do think something is missed as well mm-hmm. uh and so much of my film festivals revolved around the the great joy 
uh, like-minded people took and finding each other. And, you know, it's right. just like when TCM does their film festivals, it's, it's almost a tribal thing. Like, right. Oh, you're an old movie fan too. You know, I've found my people here. And it was, it's certainly that way with my festivals. And, and I really enjoy that. I like, uh, meeting people. I'm a, I'm a very gregarious guy. No. <laughs> and, and I think that that, you know the the live component of what I do has has been part of the success that the festivals and the Film Noir Foundation has has had. So I don't ever want to give that up. Right. So so you're. But who knows what it? You know when we'll be back to nearly normal. It's very hard to say. I mean, right. for a while there, it looked like okay, we've got a handle on it, and then that wasn't the case. You know. So. Um, I, I think you are correct, though. I mean, you know, one of the reasons we do my festivals is because the foundation restores films and then we exhibit them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, the the whole uh, process was kind of backwards for us as opposed to the way film restoration normally works in that we had the exhibition capability. Mm-hmm. And so we would restore the films knowing we're going to show them in eight different theaters around the country and film and, you know, all this stuff, which is not normally the way it works for films that are restored. It's like they're restored out of the goodness of people's hearts. And then they beg to get them shown somewhere. Right. I don't have to worry about that part of it. Um, But it's just um, it's just different, you know, but at least with the online version you know, people who live out in the hinterlands can see the films. They don't have to travel to one of the festivals to see them. So that right. that's a very good thing. It is, and also um, just worldwide. I mean, that's what Sundance has found. Uh, many other places, too, that because more people, it, it, it expands it to more people. I agree with you. There's nothing um, more fun and enjoyable than going to a film festival in person. And I, I agree with you on all of those. But for people who can't make it or, you know, it's very expensive to go to these fly over all over yes. to these film festivals and a hotel and all of the other things. So for people who can't do that, this is a great way to expose them and be able to see uh, those films that they may not be able to see. And and this show, our, our tagline is bringing the film festival experience to your home. And that's what this is about, be, uh, the interviews Very that good. I do. That's what the, the genesis of the show has always been, is exactly that, bringing the film festival experience, because people don't get the background of a movie um, the way they do when you go to a film festival. So, yeah, it's gonna, it's changing things. It's, you know, I think it's all going to be good in the long run. Now, I'm just a little concerned about the um, theaters, unfortunately. Well, the yes, that's, the, that's the, the real challenge, you know, is it, you know, where I grew up in San Francisco, there were all kinds of repertory cinemas. That's where I got my film education. You know, it it, it started for me on television, you know, watching movies till dawn and dialing for dollars and that kind of stuff, and which I'm extremely grateful for. But, you know, it, it was free, and you could see all these fabulous old movies, but they had commercials in them, you know. Right. And then then you discover repertory cinema where you can actually go see them on a big screen without the commercials. And, you know, in San Francisco, where I grew up, there were dozens, dozens of theaters like that showing old films. And now there's virtually none. There's virtually none. I know. Because, you know, people just would rather stream it at home. 
Which is completely understandable, right. but I'm just, I, I'm with you. I, I want to do whatever I can to help these venues stay afloat, yeah. you know. But, it, but it's just very difficult, as you know. You know, my festival, Noir City in San Francisco, was really unique because we could sell out on days that other venues were just dark. Mm -hmm. Like Monday through Wednesday, a lot of rep cinemas just don't even bother. You know, they'll, they'll do shows Thursday to Sunday because they're just not going to get enough people in the house to make it worthwhile. But we were very successful and we'd have, you know, sold out shows on a Tuesday night which is pretty unheard of, right. especially in a venue as big as the Castro Theater in, mm -hmm. in San Francisco. Um, so I, I hope we get back to it. I got my fingers crossed. I hope so, too. We lost our little independent movie theater here in Coromel, um, in Monterey County, over the pandemic. And so I'm hoping somebody comes back and revitalizes it again because it's sorely missed. But it is hard. You know, we all got used to watching movies at home. And now and now that, you know, certain, um, well, as we know, uh, there are certain streaming services that are... Uh, releasing them to the movie theater the same day that they're doing streaming and it's just hurting it's hurting everybody doing it that way so that'll it's be very interesting, interesting. Yeah. It, it's a very interesting um time in the business i, I don't want to get too deep into this but because i actually work for one of those outfits <laughs> i know but, um but it is interesting that you know you probably know your movie history and remember that back in the late 1940s the government, you know, issued an antitrust decree breaking up the monopoly that movie studios had on on the movie business because they they owned the product, they owned the distribution channel, and they owned the theaters in which the movies were shown. And it was considered to be monopolistic, and the government actually made them break that all up so that Paramount couldn't own the theaters and, and MGM, you know, Lowe, which grew out of the Lowe's theater chain. They had to divest their theaters. And now it's all happening again. Only it's Netflix and Amazon and these right. that are coming in and buying the theaters. And so on the one hand, I'm saying, wow, this was an issue that was already dealt with decades ago. But the flip side of the coin is at least they're keeping the theaters open and alive. Right. So, right. you know, uh, the, the economics of the business are a little different than they were in the 1940s. 100%. And I think, and again, I, I kind of, I do applaud uh, Netflix and Amazon and, and some of the other studios for purchasing some of these wonderful old theaters that they're revitalizing again. So and I know in New York, I think it was the Paris Theater or what I think that. Uh, yeah, the yeah. Paris in, in New uh, York. Yeah. yeah. And some of the other ones too. So I think that's only going to be good for the industry. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. It's, it's an interesting time, as we all know. In, and in, yeah. indeed, it is. It things is, are, it things is. change so fast. It's it really does make your head spin. Like you, you just sometimes you just can't keep up. You exactly, know? exactly, and it is. It's hard. Well, let's talk. And it's about, funny, as I, Jan. Is it's funny? I just I'm throwing this out there. As as I get older, I tell like my nephews and nieces and things. It's like, do you know that I used to actually send my because I was a journalist. I said I would telex my copy in to you know to foreign countries that where I was a stringer for things, and they're like, what's a telex? You know, and and now and now it's like they don't even 
even know what a fax machine is, right? <laughs> and we went, we went from, you know, all of these technologies that have existed in my lifetime that have all been a part of how I earn my living. You know, honestly, two years ago, the idea of us doing an interview like this was absurd. I mean, yeah. we, we had done interviews in the past. I never got to look at your pretty face while I was doing an interview <laughs> Thank you. before. It was just, you know, it was on the phone. But now we can do this. I know. It's, it's, it's remarkable. It's wonderful, actually. I, I prefer it, actually. Uh, it's nice to see my guest's face and when I'm talking with them. Yeah. Let's get back to Dark City because... It, 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 it's a beautiful book. It's a beautiful book. And, and I wanted anybody who's looking for a gift, uh, you know, for the upcoming holidays or wedding anniversary or birthday or what, anything, any holiday, this is a great gift. It's, it's a beautiful coffee table book. It's sitting on my coffee table. And, um, so tell us a little bit about, uh, what's in this that's different than the first one? And, and what did you actually, I know there's a lot of, dis- well, we'll talk a little bit about it, but what did you do differently and what did you add and what was unique about this book for you? Um, when I initially conceived the book, those many years ago, um, there were several chapters that I had to leave out that I ha- and I didn't even write them because I was just told in advance you're you're being too ambitious. So I got to include those chapters in this version of the book, okay. which are specifically about um, the city desk, a chapter called the city desk that's about newspapers and film noir and how how many of those films had newspaper reporters or investigative journalists as the as the protagonists. Uh, there's a chapter on the big house prison movies, which is something that. Uh, dovetails with film noir but doesn't get talked about very often. Uh, There's a chapter called The Stage Door, which is about show business noir. Mm -hmm. Actually, I think that's it. It was, there were four chapters, but I only did three because the the other one was about uh, broke the the spell of Dark City because it was about films set overseas. You know, all the exotica, Calcutta and Saigon and, you know, all these movies that were Hollywood's version of these exotic foreign locales. I I elected to leave that one out. Um, But like, and then all of the chapters that existed have been revised in, in various ways, mostly because stuff that I've learned subsequently, uh, I was able to put in there. Like, there's a whole section on Anne Sheridan and her mm. movies, her noir movies that didn't exist in the first edition. Uh, so, and then the layout, the way we designed the layout this time, there were very definite little sidebars, you know, like little things dropped into every chapter that are little detours into the lives of some of the people that made the films. If they were particularly significant to film noir or if they led a noirish life that merited my talking about their uh, their off-screen antics as much as their on-screen work. Let's talk a little, I mean, one of the things that, um, that I think you've added more of is the fe- female protagonist in these film noir uh, movies that uh, maybe you didn't cover as much before. I'm not really sure, but um, but no, you 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 pick that up, Jen. That that is a major difference between the two books. Is that a lot of the the writing on film noir that existed at the time I was first doing my research? I'm just going to say was very male centric, mm-hmm. and it became mm-hmm. very evident to me that. Film history was written by men. Not, I mean, not. I'm not talking about film. I'm talking about the actual scholarly works, uh, analyzing and talking about the industry and everything. It's all written by men, mm-hmm. and it and 
where film noir is concerned, that was doubly true. Because so many people assume that film noir is a very masculine genre. Right. You know? Right. Uh, the westerns may be a masculine genre, but film noir is not. I mean, it, it's an equal opportunity corrupter. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, and I realized when I was doing a lot of this research that women played a much bigger role behind the camera uh, than people realized. And so I'm not going to say I went out of my way to point this out because I don't really think you have to go out of your way. You just have to see it. Mm-hmm. You have to realize that, you know, when you're looking at, uh, oh, a film like The Unsuspected or something, you know, it's written by a woman. The The source novel was written by a woman, Charlotte Armstrong. And, so, and that turns out to be the case with a lot of these films. The editors were women, you know, uh, it's, uh, se- several of them are produced by women, you know. So I have a whole section on Joan Harrison, who is getting more recognition these days as being one of the really crucial producers in, in the history of film noir, Alfred Hitchcock's protege. And and so, yeah, this that was something that I was very conscious of. And it was not um, any kind of make good Thing, like a trendy thing. It's like, this is this is for real, you know, and, and this needs to be recognized. Well, so I'm, I'm glad you did. <laughs> I did. I did. I very much so. So who do you think was, I, I, and I, I think you, I know the answer to this, but who do you think was one of the um, best females who were in, you know, some of the best film noir movies ever made? Well, uh, the ones I really give space to in this book, the, the well, besides Joan Harrison, uh, on screen, Definitely Barbara Stanwyck and and Joan Crawford. And uh, I also, you know, have two sections in the book on Ida Lupino. Oh, I love Ida Lupino. Because, because, uh, firstly, I talk about her on-screen work, and then I talk about her behind-the-camera work when she was her own producer, writer, producer, and director. She didn't make a lot of noir when she got her hands on the controls, but... It's so fascinating that the one film noir she did make uh, has no women in it. It's all men, the hitchhiker. And and it's a really insightful exploration of male psychology. And, and a woman made the film. So uh, I, I found that very, very interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> and as you know, you probably know, I just think the world of Barbara Stanwyck. I think she's the, the greatest actress in film history. And I think that Joan Crawford is a person who does not get enough credit for what she accomplished in the business because, uh, you know, she she became kind of the butt of a joke, right. you know, and and, uh, and her whole persona was sort of co-opted in the gay community. And, and that hides the fact that there was so much more to Joan Crawford than, than that. So uh, I, I try to resurrect that other part of her career a little bit. Oh, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, when you watch her early work, um, and Barbara Stanwyck, I, I just love Barbara Stanwyck too. I like both of them. I really love watching their work. And you're you're right. Um, unfortunately, Joan Crawford, uh, her reputation towards the end, unfortunately, foreshadowed everything else that she had done before, which is I just mean, she, 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 you know, every, as I like, she made a lot of bad decisions. But as we say in film noir land, bad decisions make good stories. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, Eddie, this is such a wonderful book. Where can people purchase this book? Well, I would prefer if you order it through your local bookstore, your local independent bookseller. Uh, and you know, I'm sure you know about Larry Edmonds Bookstore in Hollywood. It's like the oldest bookstore in Hollywood, and it's uh, it, it caters exclusively to the movie crowd. And uh, I'm happy to say that Larry Edmonds has sold, I think, uh, over 700 copies of the book just wow. there. Wow, and all all that is online sales because um, you know you can't really shop in the bookstore right now. Right, uh, but of course it's available on on Amazon and uh, and on the TCM website. You can get it straight from TCM as well. Wonderful, Eddie. It's always a pleasure having you on the show. I'll have you back for your film festival coming up uh, in the beginning of January. So. Uh, fingers are crossed. Yes, for that. Fingers, fingers are crossed. Are crossed. Yes, for yes. sure. Thank you. It's always a pleasure having you on. Absolutely the show. a pleasure, Jan. As oh. As always. Great to see your face. And I look forward. Hopefully, we'll see you at the Turner Classic Movie Film Festival next spring. Yes. For sure. Again, yes. fingers I'm crossed. Saying definitely. I'm saying definitely <laughs> okay. for that. That's a, that's a definite. All right. And I'll let you buy me that drink you owe me. So. All right. Will do. <laughs> that maybe, you promised me last two. time. All maybe right. Two. Sounds good. Sounds good. Okay. Thank Thanks you. a million. Thank you. If you have missed any of the Jam Price Shows All About Movies, you can go to my website, thejampriceshow.com, and you can also listen on the iPhone iHeart Podcast Network, Apple, Google Play, iTunes, and please go to our YouTube channel and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Anywhere you get your podcast, you can even get it on your smart TV. You can listen to The Jam Price Show and also on Twitter and Instagram at The Jam Price Show. Thank you all for listening. Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show, all about movies. 